Thursday evening, everybody. My name is Colin Livingston. Welcome to Talk and Torque. Uh, this is going to be a fairly interesting evening or a fairly interesting episode. At least I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, going to do a little bit of uh, memoriam for the loss of TSN 1260 radio here in Edmonton. Um, put a put a blog post up earlier this week and um, want to just kind of not necessarily read it out to you, but just kind of go through uh, the the content and you know kind of tell my story as to how how I got into it and and why TSN ended up um, meaning so much um, you know to me um, the the connections that I made the friends that I made and um, you know uh, and and you know what what it means when you know now that that station is gone because. Um, well, for me, it's, um, you know, it's a little bit inconvenient and, you know, personally it, it makes me sad. I, I, I really enjoyed doing my, my little radio segment with Jason Greger. Um, but you know, I came to know a great number of the people within that building. Um, you know, I started with, um, the, the group at the bear, um, the, the local, you know, one of the rock radio stations here in, in Edmonton, um, you know, largely when I, I got introduced through, uh, the, the bear morning show at the time, which was, uh, led by Paul Brown, um, Yukon Jack and Jillian foot. And, uh, that goes back, I don't know, probably 10, 12 years ago. Um, my, my in-laws business, had bought some ads with, with the bear. And, you know, back in that time, the, 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 the radio, the media business was a lot more, um, appreciative and a lot more, uh, dynamic than, than what it is today. Um, as, as a small token of their appreciation, the, the, you know, the bear morning show went to their sponsors and went to their advertisers and, you know, basically, you know, dropped off a small present, uh, gave them, you know, probably about 30 minutes of FaceTime and just said, thank you, which was, you know, super cool to get to see the, the, the faces of the people, uh, who were, who were on the radio and the people who had been promoting your company and, and your products for so long. Um, while they were, you know, uh, we shared a building. So my in-laws business was called Campbell Automotive and my business is Cantorque. And we, you know, we're in the exact same space. We have, we had different addresses even, but um, while they were in the building, Mark, my brother-in-law brought them over and uh, introduced me. And, you know, I had a quick chat with, with all three of them. Um, it really struck me as how, how dynamic and energetic uh, all three of them were. Their, their personalities were really captivating uh, flash forward a little, you know, a few months and, um, the, the salesperson, which was, uh, for, for the company, which was, uh, Astro Media before, uh, Bell Media had actually, you know, bought everything up. Uh, Mark Stevenson, uh, paid me a visit and he didn't mean to pay me a visit. He came to, to see Mark and, um, he didn't know that they had sold their business and they were no longer in this building. But while, you know, Mark was here, just kind of picked my brain about what Cantork does and had I ever thought about radio ads and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and at the time I had always had a real 
uh, interest and a real uh, fascination with radio. It was always um, in in the back of my head that somebody uh, when I was a kid, and it I, I can tell you exactly who it is. It was my my friend Joe Hudipole's mom um, told me when when I was a kid that. And, and as I had started hitting puberty, that I had a great voice and I should really consider doing something in, in the radio world. And, and that always festered in the back of my head. Um, when Mark came in, as in Mark Stevenson, to, you know, pitch pitch uh, my brother-in-law and, and ended up, you know, uh, kind of baiting, baiting the hook with me, it was, um, it was, oh, it, it, it kind of fulfilled that, um, that destiny. Now, the other point, and and this is something that I, I mentioned in my blog, is that the the building that houses CTV TV, which was CFRN, um, the Bear Virgin Radio, and TSN twelve sixty, was called the Sunwapta building. The the you know part of Sunwapta Broadcasting, which I knew as a kid, and it was really significant because it's it's on the west end of town, and and as Edmonton exists now, it's well within the city. It's, um, you know, it's still kind of on the edge, but it's, it's, you know, there's buildings on either side of it. There's, you know, mega centers and, and all the rest. But when I was a kid, the road, you know, Stony Plain road was what we would drive in to, to get into the city. And, that was the first building that we would see. There was nothing else. There was no Anthony Henday. There was really nothing even in, in uh, Winterburn. That was the first thing. And we would often listen to uh, what was, you know, CFRN 1260 um, was the radio station when I was a kid. And it, it was always captivating to me that I could look at the building and know that the sounds that we were hearing in our car were coming from somewhere in there. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know a whole lot more other than that, but it was always, always, you know, uh, beyond fascinating to me. And, you know, uh, not, not again to, to go uh, verbatim, but I had no idea that at some point I would actually be introduced into that building and actually broadcast, um, you know, and, and I would be the one making the sounds um, when, you know, once once I got a little bit older. So, you know, those those uh, the 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 fulfilling of destiny was really cool for me. Um, we did an awful lot in there. Um, I I have a lot of fond memories on the bear side of things, um, you know, knowing that for the most part I could just not necessarily pop in, but with, you know, we could arrange to, to come in. We brought, you know, through my association with Alex, uh, he was always a fan favorite during the Edmonton Indy, uh, later, uh, with the, the NASCAR Pinties race, whenever he was in town, we could always get over there, which, you know, sometimes I'd get on air, but you know, more than anything, it was just really cool to be in the studios. Um, it's a, it's a short walk from where the bear studio is, um, you know, through the halls to the other side of the the station to, to where TSN was. Um, but it was always super cool to see, um, you know, the soundboard to see how everything gets produced. And, um, 
what the another thing that really struck out i didn't mention this in the in the blog but when we did the first hit with um with tsn it was with uh dusty nielsen and will fraser with um lieutenant eric was uh was somewhere in the background but I had heard Dusty show a number of times and on air, Dusty sounds like a moderately normal guy. But when we were in person, I couldn't get over how loud he was and he wasn't yelling, but he was just really dynamic. And the way that the, the mixing um, was able to kind of take his voice and just kind of turn it into a, a, a normally delivered sound uh, all like equally fascinated me, but I recorded numerous, you know, Cantor commercials in there, uh, working with producer Chris, uh, just such a great guy, um, always able to squeeze a bit more energy out of me. Uh, one of the things that, that they teach you when, when you start voicing and, and obviously I'm not a broadcaster, I am not a professional voicing person. Um, I'm just fairly passionate as an amateur, but they teach right away that you have to speak smiling. You have to smile because that energy actually translates to the recording and you have to feel like you're over the top. And, you know, while I've learned a little bit more of how to enunciate and how to, you know, punch certain words and and talk in a certain way, in general, if we ever talk face to face, I'm a fairly monotone flat person. So when I feel like I'm kind of going over the top, I'm really, really, really just in first gear. And you have to just, you have to feel like you're Bozo the Clown, zany, wacky to get the energy across. And and Chris was always great at, uh, at, at squeezing that out of me. Um, then, um, there was a lot of things that happened kind of in the background uh, with my ads. My, my advertising spanned uh, mostly on, on the bear, uh, which is what I was listening to. And then we, with that package, we got ads on TSN radio. Um, you know, through that, I started doing a little bit of, of reporting. I'd go to a big race like the Indy 500 and do a, you know, five minute hit trackside uh, which was super cool. Uh, then eventually did more on-air interviews, which led to um, me often getting, um, you know, co-interviewed when Alex would be in town. Um, I had a little bit more legitimacy. Um, then things, you know, again, things in the background, um, you know, uh, made me question my my spend. We had kind of done what we had needed to do. A lot of the morning people had had moved on. Um, you know, obviously, Yuke is still uh, very active uh, on the morning show, but, you know, Jillian's gone, Paul Brown's gone, um, you know, uh, Locker, um, the way that uh, Locke was, was dismissed, I got to see kind of face face to face and I got to see you know firsthand um and that was really my first real um exposure to how cold and how cutthroat uh, that business can be and and while I do understand the the media or the the parent company wanting to protect their air that if they telegraph to someone that they're, you know, they're not going to be around. If you give someone notice that 
they're not going to be there in a week or a day, or this is going to be their last show that lends it to either them pulling the, the energy out of their show or worst case scenario to, to sabotage. And, and there's a lot of times where, you know, there's a lot of video clips where you'll hear someone just mother F the company, you know, tell them about how they're getting fired and all the rest. I understand all of that. If you take a look at a career uh, broadcaster like Lachlan Cross, he's in this market. He is ingrained here now. He couldn't mother F his way off the station and then expect to ever work anywhere else. But, you know, I, I understand it. I just didn't like it. And it really sucks when I have to see, you know, people I, I like or people more than anything, people that I respect have to go through that kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, short version is that led to me ending my my advertising with with the bear um at that point i had i had stopped um listening i kind of moved into you know uh you know more of my own music and and satellite radio and i wasn't really a, a customer of of that uh, that station anymore and shortly after ending um my my ad space on on the bear I got a call from Jason Greger. Now, Jason, you know, if you're not in, in Edmonton, Jason, um, you know, has a real unique, um, uh, unique position there, or at least he had a unique position because Jason was never an employee of, of any of those stations. Jason was a contractor and, you know, uh, while um, I'd be normally hesitant to, to, to mention this publicly, uh, Jason wrote about it in, in his thank you letter um, and, and his, you know, closing comments. Um, but Jason rented that he paid for his time. So his, his show slot was from two to two to six Monday to Friday. With that, he had to go out and he had to attract his own advertisers. He had to, you know, have people paying him so that he could afford his space. And then, you know, in turn, uh, pay for guys like Jason Strudwick, Connor Halley, um, and, and, you know, uh, make a living. And with that, you know, Jason gave me a call and said, Hey, listen, I I've heard what you've done. And, and Jason and I had met a handful of times. Um, you know, I'm very open about the fact that, you know, the first couple of times I met him, I didn't like him. I, I always felt that I had to reintroduce myself. And while I, I wasn't a real important person and, you know, arguably still am not Jason had been to my shop. We had been to, you know, numerous, um, events and, you know, I always felt like he'd never remembered me. And I always got this, I, this, this impression that he had a bit of an attitude and, and, you know, I'm convinced that he felt the same way about me, but when it, when it came down to it and, and the, you know, I'll, I'll flash forward and get back to the main point of the story. I've come to know Jason very well, and I know he is beyond an excellent human being. Um, his show does what's called uh, the 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 month of giving leading up to Christmas. Over the last thirteen years, they have raised over two point three million dollars that have gone to various charities. He came up with a program called Gregor's Grads, where they work with local suit and tuxedo supply uh, businesses to arrange for suits and and formal wear for. Uh, underprivileged kids who who make it to graduation but wouldn't be able to afford the clothing. Just outstanding things. I've needed Jason as a friend and he was always there. Um, you know, and and I like to think I I'd reciprocate. Um, but that being said, 
didn't always have the best, you know, the best impression of him until I really got to know him. And, and once we did, and he, he approached me for this idea of capitalizing on, on my position within racing to, to do a, a, you know, a, a little 20 minute segment once a week. Um, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. And and I was surprised because I actually had no idea. Timelines often confuse me and I, I don't have a great perception of time. But it's almost five years to the day that we started doing the, the Cantoric Race Report. And, you know, what was the, the very coolest was that for the most part, um, up until COVID, I was able to just go to the studio, which is only... 10 minutes from my office and we could do the show in person. We could have that face-to-face interaction that brings a lot more energy to the, to the broadcast. Um, eventually when, when COVID hit, uh, that made things a little bit more, more complicated, but we made it work. And, and eventually I ended up with all this kit uh, because well, you know, the guys had no, no comment, no, no even influence to say like, listen, it doesn't sound that good because they're used to having guests call in by phone. I hated the sound that, that we got when, when I was on and, and oftentimes, and it's no, no coincidence, uh, that the, the cell program that I had for a number of years was with the parent company that, that, you know, subsequently shut down, uh, TSN radio but my phone would echo. So as I was talking, I was getting my words bouncing back to me on like a half second delay. So uh, it, it is indescribably um, um, distracting to hear yourself. And I just kind of played that back in my head, uh, which which made me hesitate. But eventually uh, figured out with with Connor how we could we could work this so that we could go um, you know connect over Zoom. And all of a sudden, um, you know, the sound was good. The show, I think, was okay. Um, I'm sure people hated me or liked me or, you know, just didn't want to hear about racing, but that's fine. Um, Got a number of great, great questions over the years. Got a lot of great inquiries. Um, You know, I know we've brought a number of people into karting over the last few years uh, or, you know, brought them to the racetrack just to see racing for the first time. Um, and, and, you know, started doing this well in advance of, um, you know, drive to survive and things like that. Um, you know, that being said, um, you know, really just feel terrible for the people who have lost their, their livelihoods. Um, you know, whether it's, um, you know, guys like Matt Awanek, um, you know, Tyler Uramchuk, you know, some, some of, you know, pre, pre-departed, but there's a lot of people that got, um, you know, that, that had the, the carpet pulled from, from under their feet. The thing that makes no sense is why they chose that day at that time when they could just have easily ran the programming out through Friday when they go to syndication they could have called everyone. They could have emailed everyone. They could have, they could have, you know, dropped the bomb at night, had a weekend to kind of chill out, let everyone kind of process it, process things. And then, you know, when, when the majority of listeners tune in on Monday morning, then you find out that things are gone. People have had a bit of time, but, you know, clearly the, the company that, advocates so strongly or claims to advocate so strongly for mental and and emotional wellness 
doesn't ever seem to offer that to their people. And, and that's, uh, that's about the last word that I'll, I'll, I'll leave with that. Um, really super impressed and super inspired that in the face of, of this kind of crisis, all of the, the people that I know so well over there, whether it was dusty, uh, low tide, you know, I can't say that I know low tide all that well, but I've met him a handful of times and he's just a great guy. Um, strutty, uh, Gregor, Connor, all made these super thoughtful, very well-crafted thank yous because their thought was as much for the listeners as it was for themselves. Obviously there's a, there's a self survival that has to happen and, and they need to figure out what their next steps are. But, you know, none of them went bitter. None of them um, besmirched their, their former employer and did such a great job. And, and I know that the, the, the options that they're going to have, whether it's, you know, internet, whether it's podcast, whether it's another radio station, whether it's something else, it's going to turn into the next best thing for them. And, and in time, they'll be able to look back and say that it was a move that they were never, never going to make, but once it was made, it turned into one of the best things. So uh, really looking forward to seeing what's next, hoping that, you know, uh, somewhere down the road, the, the Cantork race report will, um, will return uh, whatever form that's going to be and whatever medium that's going to be. And, and, you know, until then I will likely take this uh, platform and we'll try and cover a little bit of, uh, of, of, you know, what we're going to be doing until, you know, such time as, as Gregor, uh, you know, gets to his next position or we, you know, we figure something else out. Um, you know, that being said, um, you know, we see, we got a few people watching. I'm not really watching all the, uh, all the social medias. Uh, we, you know, uh, just a little inside info here for anyone that's watching. If you can watch on YouTube, you can actually interact with what we're doing. I've got a couple of comments, you know, our old friend, uh, Mike Baker, he throws a lot of good comments. He's a, you know, he's a good friend. He's a great listener. Um, I know he's watching on, uh, YouTube and because of that, he can, you know, throw, um, throw comments at us. We can throw them up. We can respond back to them. If you're watching on the other socials like Twitter, uh, we won't see any of the, the comments. So if you can, you know, uh, if you have the option to watch, uh, youtube.com slash Cantork will be uh, streaming live or through Cryer media, uh, doesn't really matter. Um, but that being said, um, anyone that's, that's actually out there, uh, what did you think of, of last week's racing? Um, you know, F1, we finally had the Canadian Grand Prix, um, interesting to say the least um not exactly the best showcase for bell media who now owns the the f1 race uh just a an absolute shit ton of technical issues cctvs went down which canceled um fp1 delayed fp2 then it turned into a monsoon then there was a whole bunch of other stuff uh what did everyone think of that IndyCar uh, ran at one of the greatest, um, you know, in my opinion, one of the best road courses uh, anywhere, Road America. Sorry, uh, yeah, Road America, walking, uh, geez, 
Elkhart Lake, um, you know, again, uh, make the comment all the time and stand by the comment that everyone, everyone seems to like new, new watchers of, of racing got in because of drive to survive and drive to survive really features formula one formula one is the the top dog as far as dollars spent as far as the level of technology the speeds of the cars the 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 cornering ability of the cars but f1 doesn't produce great racing i can you know it it's not even a prediction we know that unless something catastrophic happens it's the the race the next race at uh you know back in europe is going to be won by max verstappen the only contender is going to be sergio perez with an outside chance for fernando alonso uh we know mercedes is getting a bit quicker and hopefully they're going to be uh back in the mix but the 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 outcome is predetermined there's not a lot on track passing there's not you know, a lot of on-track action. And if you pay attention, if you're a new a new viewer of Formula One, you're going to hear a term quite a lot, and it played out on the weekend, of DRS train. And what a DRS train is, is DRS is the drag reduction system. What that, in, in, certain, in certain portions of the track, if you're following a car within one second through the detection spot, you get to open up a, um, a flap of your rear wing. That will reduce the drag of your car, allow you to go faster, to, comp- to, to compensate for the lack of downforce that you have, and it should facilitate more passing. And what ends up happening is cars will catch a car, they all get DRS, so they're able to stay stuck together, but they're, they have a really hard time passing the car in front. And, you know, you get a number of these packs where there could be four or five cars within two or three seconds, and not, not a lot happens. Excuse me. It's not the most entertaining thing to watch. Conversely, go to an IndyCar race. Watch an IndyCar race. While the names might not be as familiar because they don't get the same coverage as as formula 1 with drive to survive there's there's not a lot of backstory and any of the 100 days to indy or any of the the features are not widely available they're not shown on netflix they're not shown where everyone can see them they're they're on select networks but notwithstanding that you watch an indy car race you are going to see passing and last weekend's example from elkhart lake was one of the toughest examples and the most brutal challenges that these guys have had to try and pass anyone. And they were passing people every lap. The track was recently resurfaced, which meant that anything outside of the main groove where all the rubber gets built up had no traction. And, you know, when you see a guy like Will Power drive his car off the track with, with no, no influence, you know, that it's difficult. Will is, as good a driver as, as IndyCar has right now. Scott Dixon made a mistake. Um, uh, countless, countless drivers drove off the track at various points because the, the, the margin for error was, was literally inches, if not smaller, that if you started getting your car out of the groove, 
um, you just started to lose traction. And by the time you lost it, it was, it was so hard to, um, to, to collect it back up. And even with that IndyCar was able to put on a race where there were numerous passes and you didn't really know until towards the end of the race, who was going to win really tough to, to, to bet against Alex below right now, because he is in the best form that he's ever been in. He's a strong driver, but going into the weekend, you can never know who's going to win. And that's the exciting part is watching how a race unfolds from, from practice to qualifying, you know, IndyCar's qualifying is really quite entertaining with, you know, uh, starting with two packs and then getting into a fast 12 and then the fast six for the pole. It really keeps things entertaining. Um, just loved it. Um, I, I, I mean, personally, I thought it was fantastic. Um, the last half of the show here today, we're also supposed to be getting a couple of random guests. I've opened it up to my my counterparts of the off-camber Carters group. Um, don't know. I've, I've only got one response back from from uh, one driver, but hoping that we uh, we see a few a few faces pop up here in the. Uh, you know, on, on the screen here and, and we can go through, uh, last night's, uh, you know, carding action, a very, very busy race for sure. Um, I, uh, there was, there was some on track contact, which is always a bad thing. Um, you know, we don't, we don't participate in racing for the crashes, although a lot of people will say that that's why they watch racing, but, um, really um you know kind of goofy night the way it started that uh, normally we run qualifying from five to six o'clock um it's open you can run as many laps as you want um i i've said it a million times and i'll say it again um uh sorry i'm gonna get back to this but i, I want to address what mike throws up here because mike is a bit mistaken unfortunately mike's talking about bad pit call for colton herda uh, who had led a big chunk of the race uh, suggesting that they made a bad pit call when he was uh he was make sure I say this the right way after their final pit stop, which, which happened about 15 laps to go, he was told that he had to go into fuel save mode. So when you go into fuel save mode in the, in an Indy car, you're able to turn down the engine so that it's not as powerful. But the other thing you do is instead of driving to the absolute rate, like the absolute threshold of your, of where you can stop, you have to lift probably a hundred, 150 feet coast, then slow down. And then, you know, you have to accelerate as, as normal. What happened was not a bad pit call. They had an issue with the, with the fuel uh, delivery is they didn't get enough of their fuel into the car. They made, I think they made the right call, but um, unfortunately, once they, um, once they, made that pit stop. It wouldn't have mattered if they came in with 13 laps to go. Um, they just, they short fueled because of an issue with the, the, the fuel delivery system. They could have potentially waited until a little, like they were already getting towards the end of their fuel run anyway. So there wasn't a lot more that they could do. And once that fuel delivery issue happened, uh, their race was done. Colton had to, um, lift and coast and went from, you know, having, you know, really the fastest car that was there, um, having to settle, um, for, I think he ended up fifth, um, see if I have the, the, 
the results here, but anyway, um, which is also really cool um, that we're, we're getting really close to the, uh, I shouldn't say too close, but uh, we have one race coming up at, um, at mid Ohio next weekend. And then uh, the, the, the following race will be the Toronto Indy, the, the Honda Indy at Toronto. So that's, uh, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be awesome. Um, but as I was saying, getting back to the go-kart uh, world, driving go-karts, um, you know, uh, where the conventional, the conventional uh, misthinking is that the go-kart does all the work, you know, drivers are not athletes. I mean, I won't claim to be an athlete. I'll joke about it, but it takes a lot of physical force to operate a cart. Um, you do 10 laps in a go-kart, you can burn, you know, probably in, in 10 laps, which is about eight minutes, you could burn about 200 calories, 250 calories. It is a crazy, 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 physically difficult thing to do. That being said, when you get to qualifying, you want to, you want to get enough laps in so that you feel like you were at your best, but at the same time, you don't want to wear yourself out because we run three heats in the night, um, a 10 lap followed by a 10 lap followed by a 12 lap. And, while that maybe sounds like a lot, I can, I promise, or it doesn't sound like a lot. I can promise you it is, especially when we only have a small break between heats, you come off the track, you have to go through scales. You have to refuel your cart, you know, make any adjustments based on what your cart handling did. If you sustained any damage, um, you know, things that you have to fix things that you have to modify and try and get a quick breather. I mean, the, the gaps between our sessions are really, you know, between 20 and 30 minutes, depending on, on what the night's like. Once you get to that, you're right back out on the track and, and, um, you know, back to super, super high intensity, um, you know, training for another, you know, 10 to 12 minutes. It's, it's a lot. Um, but last night, we didn't have timing and scoring because the, the, the timing loop and the connection back to the tower was flooded with all the rain that we've had here in Alberta, the last, you know, whatever it's been 10 days. Um, so not a lot of people went out on track. Uh, it was decided that we were going to start the night based on point standing. Uh, we have two classes. So we have a, a, a class of 397 pound drivers, which is, you know, 397 is the weight of the, the driver equipment and the cart, not, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of 400 pound people that, uh, the race go-karts. And then we have a, a heavier group at 420 pounds by default, the 397 people got to start up front. We as 420 pound, uh, drivers started in a pack behind and then all of our rookies, which you know, really made things a little bit interesting by definition. That should have been the running order. 397 should always be quicker than a 420. 420 should be quicker than a rookie. Uh, and we should have been able to, uh, to stay out of everyone's way. Um, just before our heat one, uh, kicked off, it was, um, the, the timing came back. So we were going to be able to run without a whole lot of issue. Um, I started 24th. Um, because I, I've had a, a couple of really weak races. I've missed a race. Um, so my, my point standing was, I was basically the last car on the grid to, um, to, to start by points. Um, I had the rookies behind me and, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of carts in front of me to start, um, heat one, uh, there was a lot of chaos, um, 
we have a couple of particular drivers that that can't seem to get it through their head that this is not formula one this is not indycar we are not making our livings doing this we're supposed to be out there having fun um making very reckless moves uh which one particular driver i will i you know i won't mention names because i don't want people to feel bad but if you know if you're watching uh and you'll figure out that i'm talking about you there are a number of moves that I've seen this driver make that the only reason they didn't result in a collision was because the other driver, the overtaking driver made corrective action. If they would have held their ground, the move that this guy was making would have resulted in a collision similar to that of the, the move that we've talked about a whole bunch with Patricio award, um, you know, trying to uh, first at long beach, trying to make the overtake on Scott Dixon made a move that if if he tried that move without Scotty D to his outside, he would have crashed. And he proved that at the next race at Detroit when he tried on, on I think it was Ferrucci. Ferrucci backed out. He, there was no way that uh, Award could make the move, ended up driving into the fence and ending his day. And that's that's the kind of move that I saw the last two weeks out of this one particular driver. Which ended up, uh, he ended up causing another uh, another collision in the second heat, um, and then I'm not sure if if he was given any kind of reprimand, but uh, in the in the final uh, seemed to make some aggressive but more reasonable moves. Uh, that being said, went from twenty um, fourth, I think, in the f- first heat, I finished seventeenth, which I was moderately happy with. Uh, second heat. Started 17th, made it up to 12th, which I was really happy with because now I was really racing the the carts that um, I was in, um, you know, I was really in the fight with. Um, I had moved up after the second heat to the first in my category, which at the end of the day, I'm not racing the, the 397 people in front of me. We have separate points. So if I finish, if I'm the first of the 420s, but I finish as the first of the 420, I get 420 first points. If I finish second on the track, I still only get first points for 420. So there's there's also a bit of common sense that goes in that if there are 397 drivers that are trying to overtake me, I don't need to spend a lot of time fighting. Um, but that's also a lesson that a lot of people have a hard time uh, figuring out. But um, in the in the second heat, I ended up with a flat tire. I have no idea how it went flat. I haven't found a single issue. I put the car on, you know, we check our tire pressures every time we throw the cart on track. My tire pressures were fine. Somewhere in the in the on the, the formation lap, I could feel that something wasn't right. I thought maybe one of my my wheels had slipped. Once we got to driving, I knew I was in trouble and by about the second lap I had thought I need to pull off. I like something's going to break. I'm I'm just going to hurt my tire, you know, I'd probably be better off and then I'm doing the math in my head as I'm driving around like I just worked to get to this position. If I pull off, I'm going to have to pass all these guys again. So maybe I can fight my way through it. Maybe I can get through. And, and somehow, you know, while I did get past, um, I still managed by the, the end of the second heat, I was the first 420, um, made a, made a tire change. And, um, by the time we got to the final, 
Cart was driving great. Um, had a lot of fun, was able to, um, you know, I was actually able to, to drive around some of the 397 drivers. Uh, if you've ever heard the, the radio show that we did, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite drivers who's moderately new to our, our series is uh, a young lady now. I, well, she's always been a young lady uh, named Devin Gellings. Uh, Devin, is, uh, Devin and, and her, her parents, Eileen and Trevor, are very good friends of ours. We, we do a lot of racing together and we have a lot of fun because um, it's still some of my prouder moments when, when Devin joined us. She was, ha- she was a very accomplished racer, had raced in, in Senior Max and run in Briggs for years, so she knew what she was doing. Um, but getting into the DD2 that we run was a bit of a challenge. And in the beginning, she and I raced an awful lot. And, and during the, the, the radio show, it was one of the, one of the fun things for me to joke about was that I got beat by a 16 year old girl. I, you know, but I, go, I, I, I would have nights where I got to beat her and, and we turned it into a bit of a running gag. Um, and, and last night, um, you know, I was actually able to drive around Devon, which is the first time I've been within about four carts of her in about a year. So that was, that was fun. And, and what, um, the comment I made to her at the end of the night is the worst part about passing her is that I didn't have a radio show to make fun of her the next day. So, um, this, this, uh, this medium will have to do and, and, uh, all of our, all of our dozens of listeners will, uh, We'll have to uh, we'll have to suffice, and and uh, this is probably a good time for one of my favorite sound drops. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. But good night, all all in all, I ended up winning my uh, my group. I set the fastest lap in my class, and um, now we've got a little bit of a break um, before we um, we move to the the EDKRA Summer Challenge. Um, EDKRA is our, our home track, our sanctioning body, and uh, Summer Challenge is is the biggest event that that uh, we hold every year. Fun event, lots of prizes. We get great turnouts, and it's it's one of the great crossover events because our group runs on on Wednesdays. The majority of our members at EDKRA run on the weekends, and this is one of the times where we get to share the track and we get to be just you know, treated like everyone else, um, and get to, you know, interact with our, our counterparts. Um, so this is going to be a fun, you know, super fun weekend. Um, you know, for, for me, this is, you know, or, and for most of our, our off camber Carter's DD2 drivers, it's really cool that we're going to be racing over a couple of days. You know, again, our schedule on a, on a Wednesday is, is really compact and really, um, intense that, we do a heat, we get a small break, we do another heat, small break, and then the night's over at 8.30, where on the weekend, you will do a, you know, you get a five-minute warm-up, and then you're off track for an hour or two, and then you get back out, and, and you can do a little bit more. So, you know, get back to do a little bit more conventional racing, um, get a little bit more uh, interaction with the rest of our, our uh, EDKRA uh, counterparts and some of the people we don't get to see all that often. And then, uh, of course, there's a little bit of socializing that happens uh, in the evenings, but uh, not too much because we have to be responsible when, um, when we get back to the track the next day. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to be driving around someone with a hangover or, or worse. Uh, so 
you know, always a lot of fun, but not too much fun. Uh, since it seems like even those that kind of committed uh, can't seem to connect or can't seem to uh, didn't seem to find the time, um, we'll maybe try and line up the uh, the OCK roundtable uh, for another day um, and uh, try and schedule it a little bit better. Uh, for everyone who tuned in, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. Um, Again, if you can connect through YouTube, uh, that works the best uh, for the interaction. You're always welcome to uh, send the comments, you know, send questions. Uh, you can you can get to me, you know, at Talk and Torque on Twitter. Um, you can uh, email hey there at talkandtorque.ca. I will answer every question. I will respond to every email that comes in, and. Um, you know, this weekend I, I almost shit the bed and, and totally forgot that I, I'm actually leaving here in, in a few hours. I'm going to be getting on a plane here uh, to, to hook up with Tag. We run uh, the NASCAR Pinty Series this weekend, uh, head back for our second, uh, second chance, our second trip to uh, Avondale, Newfoundland. Um, be running on the rock this weekend. Uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, what Mike James and and all the guys um, out there have done. Uh, the 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 first year's race, uh, you know, was not without incident. Um, was thrown together very last minute. You know, now the guys have had a year to uh, to prep and to um, learn from from um, you know the the first year. So really, really looking forward to getting back out there. Um, always great to see Mike really, really great crowds. Uh, we have great interaction. Um, the fans during the, uh, the autograph sessions, you know, um, you know, come up with a lot of great comments, uh, a lot of great jokes, but, um, yeah, we'll be flying through the night, uh, get to St. John's tomorrow and, um, we, we race Saturday and uh, turn around and, and get back home uh, uh, Sunday night and try and get into work sometime Monday morning. But um, like I said, please don't ever hesitate. Uh, you know, uh, send me a note, send me an email. Um, you can hit me on all the socials and um, look forward to seeing everyone again here next week. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. 
Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.